This is the Christian Circle Podcast and you're listening to Pamela Fernandez where we have conversations about Christian living. Here's the show. Uh, yeah, so my name is Tim Glomkowski and I'm a, a national, well, international Catholic speaker um, and I run an apostolate, a, like a, a not-for-profit organization here in the United States uh, from outside of Chicago where I live, which is called Lalto Catholic Institute. And so the purpose of our organization is to really just help parishes and to kind of become more missional, to focus more of their efforts on, uh, you know, we're a very culturally Catholic mm-hmm. uh, area, even country in many ways. And so sometimes it, like, it can be easy to get away from our, our core mission, which is given to us by Jesus to form disciples. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the purpose of our organization is when parishes start to get that that itch to kind of be more missional, we help walk them through a process. Okay. Um, so I read your post on um, your website. It was about uh, the mistakes people make when they discern their vocation. Why is it important that we have to discern our vocation in Christian life in the first place? Yeah, so I, I wrote that post um, a couple of years ago as I was just reflecting back on my own experience of vocational discernment, which, yeah, so to guys kind of start with, with the question you're asking, um, yeah, I was reflecting on mistakes people make when they do so sometimes, mm-hmm. but yeah, that core lesson, which is important and crucial to kind of start with, is just that idea that in the first place, we're actually called to discern mm-hmm. this reality, you know, so vocation in the, in the Catholic sense is generally used, you know, capital V vocation to describe the overarching call on our life that God is is placing there to to help us, you know, really fulfill His His plan for our lives, mm-hmm. and He usually refers to the fundamental decision, um, you know, it, based on our state in life. So not necessarily so much getting a small v vocation, what what job am I going to do? Mm-hmm. How am I going to support my family? Mm-hmm. But the the big v vocation, which is mainly that that fundamental call to the to the priesthood or to uh, religious life. So for for women, that would be as a religious sister or as a nun, and for men, that could be as a religious brother or as a as an ordained priest, either in a religious order or as a a diocesan priest. And so that that really is, um, I mean, it's so important just because that reality. I think what what the concept, the idea, the fact that we have vocations in the first place reminds us mm-hmm. is. Like, God is involved with our lives. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he, yeah. he wants, he has a plan. Mm-hmm. He's uh, directing our steps. So mm-hmm. I think that's really at the heart of why it's important in general to discern a vocation, because it, it kind of gets us out of this postmodern mindset, which is so often categorized by just that idea that, I'm, I'm going to determine what, what's going to be, well, you know, the, the course of my life mm-hmm. and my plans yeah. and, you know, me, me, me. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of hands over even the gift of our life. The fact that we were created in the first place is itself a gift. And it kind of hands that back over to God and just says, you know, God, what did you make me for? Mm-hmm. Like, why did you create me? What do you yeah. want me to do with this, like, one solitary life that you've given me? So I think it's really crucial. Okay. So you, you've mentioned mistakes people make. And, of course, this is from your own experience. So can you tell us what these mistakes are? Because there are lots of people who are thinking about their vocation right now and they are spending so much time just thinking and thinking and thinking and not doing anything about it. So what are these mistakes that you feel, uh, at least you think the people are making commonly? 
Yeah, so I mean, I think that's a, a, a huge one. Um, kind of what you're describing there is the the what I started to notice is so I I had spent my my own personal story. I spent a year in seminary discerning my own vocation mm-hmm. to be a priest potentially. Um, I, I felt you know just that in, within me kind of that desire for the the priesthood, and I had kind of a big conversion mm-hmm. when I was 18, and so really wanted to give my whole life to God and to, to follow Him with with everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I then I I discerned with the help of my spiritual director that I wasn't being called to be a priest and. Uh, you know, so I went on and, and got married, and now, now I work in ministry. Mm-hmm. And so I would have a lot of people contact me, having seen kind of my journey that I kind of like just, you know, done this whole discernment process, mm-hmm. and they would ask me questions, you know, yeah. kind of about, um, you know, what, what, what their situation. And, and mm-hmm. I started to notice that there were some of these common themes that, that both I, I had made, and it's usually into, in just how we think about vocation in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think one of the crucial ones. I wrote I write seven in yeah. the, the the blog or in the article, but I think the the problem with these mistakes is that they can lead to us being paralyzed to just mm-hmm. kind of be sitting around like waiting for for <laughs> God to reveal our our path to us before we even start taking steps forward. Mm-hmm. And I think the reality is that God can direct our steps best when we're already walking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's. It's much easier to, to to take someone who's already moving and momentum is happening in their lives, and then he can kind of just direct that that energy, that momentum. It's a lot harder. If we're standing still just looking for a sign, it's a lot harder for God to, to direct our steps because we're not really picking up any new information. So one of, the, I, one of the things I think one of the crucial ones for me in my particular journey, you know, I think for others it might be different. Like there might be other it's, – it's really at the heart of it getting rid of the lies – like what are the what are the different lies that are in our hearts about the ways we think about God or the ways we think about vocation mm-hmm. that can keep us paralyzed? And so one for me was kind of this idea like that um, only a religious vocation was going to really be a potential path to holiness. Mm-hmm. You know, I had this desire to be a saint. I wanted to do great things with my life. Like I'm being told by the church, this is the calling yeah. uh, placed on my life, on the lives of all of us by our baptism to be to be saints. I kind of interpreted that as just like a, it looked a particular way that like it, it, it meant necessarily that I was called to be a, uh, be a priest mm-hmm. and it's just not the case, right? Like yeah. it, no matter what our state in life, we're, we're all fundamentally called to that universal call to holiness to be yeah. saints. It might look a little different based on our state in life. Um, so like that was one for me for another person. I mean, I don't know what the lie could be. Like it could be this idea, like if I really accept the, the calling God is placing on my life to be a priest, to be a religious sister, mm-hmm. I'll never be happy because I won't have the, you know, I'll always be lonely or something, you know, yeah. so it could be whatever. But I think one of the keys is like, don't listen, listen to truth. Like mm-hmm. I would say the, the antidote to some of these mistakes is like live in the truth. Like mm-hmm. who is God? Uh, who is, and don't let like, sometimes we, we let our feelings dictate our, our steps instead of facts. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And there are, there are facts revealed to us in, in the Bible about who God is and the, yeah. and the care he wants to have for our life and the fact that, like, I think some people think sometimes, oh, I've ruined my life by, you know, not, not choosing the right path or by, mm-hmm. you know, if I, if I make the yeah. wrong decision, I'm gonna, it's going to just ruin the rest of my life and I'm not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. That's just crazy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, certainly God has a path for our lives, but yeah. the, re- the idea that somehow we could, it, like, God, is, his mercy is so incredible that he can make our lives, he can make us even holier mm. 
this is Saint Therese of Lisieux talks about the mercy of God and like the yeah. idea that He can use even our sins yeah. as as steps on the way to heaven, ladders on the way to heaven. Mm-hmm. And so, if that's the case with with even our sin, like He can take our brokenness and use it as a vehicle for for making us even holier than if we hadn't sinned. Mm-hmm. Then how can He not do the same with our decisions? Yeah. You know. And so, yeah. it's I think that's a, a key one. Is like I think so many people are afraid of making mistakes with their discernment mm-hmm. that and it's just it just it's listening to our feelings over the facts of what we know about God and his mercy. So I think that's a big one too. And then you also mentioned about having uh, a spiritual director. Now lots of people don't usually work with a spiritual director and there are lots of people who work with many spiritual directors. So if they're not happy with a Jesuit, they'll go to a Salesian. If they're not happy with them, they'll go to a Redemptorist. So uh, what do you think about having or not having or having too many spiritual directors? Yeah, I mean, I think the the a key one is um, like first of all, I think if you're making a big life decision like that. Now, I know, like when I wrote this article, I got emails from a few people saying, "Hey, I don't have a spiritual director in my area. Like, what am I supposed to do? The priests are too busy to meet with me. It's a, it is an issue. Like, I don't necessarily know what to do in those circumstances. But I know for me, I really benefited from having an objective voice, mm-hmm. kind of outside of my own head. Like, mm-hmm. I just think people need to exteriorize their thinking to like mm-hmm. help validate it against a voice who can speak clearly and objectively into their situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the other thing I started to notice with people too is when people would get caught kind of paralyzed in this place where they're not sure what God wants for their life, they would just kind of go running off after anybody who could, you know, kind of spilling their entire situation yeah. before 30 different people. And they're and, and either they're looking for constant validation of a decision they've already made, or they're kind of just looking for that person to tell them what they want to hear. Here, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think there's a goodness to just kind of like constraining yourself to, yeah, working with a spiritual director, but just one of them. How did you go about finding your spiritual director for those who are looking for... Uh, thankfully, um, I, I was lucky. You know, I really consider myself blessed. To the the pastor of my my church, of my parish, growing up was a a very holy, um, involved you know man, uh, Monsignor Dan Deutsch, and he was really willing to to work with me um, and to help me discern. So I was I was grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And then one of the beauties about seminary is that there are a lot of they have you know priests who are kind of willing to work with you and, mm-hmm. and, you know, like they have spiritual directors for you. Every seminarian gets assigned a spiritual director, at least in, in the, the diocese, the seminary I was in. Mm-hmm. And so I, it was never, it never was a big question for me as a layman. Now I've struggled at times to find a, a spiritual director, but, um, thankfully one always kind of wound up in my path mm-hmm. per- personally, you know, so I don't know what other people do if they just yeah try to look for the yeah religious order in the area or the some of their diocesan priests. I've always found sometimes we think in our heads as lay people like oh they they don't want to hear about my problems yeah. or they don't want to deal with me you know and it's like I, I have found that most priests are um, very willing to to walk one on one with people like that's why they became priests yeah. is because they want they want to help. And then there's also um, this thing about thinking. I mean, um, you mentioned it in your post as well. You've got people who who think too much about it. And then um, how much time would you say that somebody needs to spend discerning? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think if you've spent, um, like if you're, let's say you're you're out of college, you're out of university, you're like working in the world and you're mm-hmm. thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I, I would say if, if you're thinking about it any more than two years, mm-hmm. it's probably time to just like make a decision one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, that's totally 
overly specific. Like it might be different for everybody. Mm-hmm. But but what I would recommend is it doesn't mean only two years and then go, you know, yeah. choose. Like just go like jump into a, a religious order or something if you're not yet married. Yeah. But I guess it would be like what I feel like people do sometimes is they think, 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 but they don't act. Mm-hmm. And if and in not acting, then they're not like um, getting any new information. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing there are no new experiences that they can use. Like for me, I thought about it for a while and then I entered seminary and the actual experience of entering seminary was what helped me to clarify whether I was actually called to be a priest because I was able to like, I had made like a step, a step forward. Now it ended up not being the right step long term, Mm -hmm. but I think God used that time to, to like really show me a lot of new things because I was dealing with new information. Mm -hmm. But if I was just sitting in my job, I was working as a marketing manager at the time. If I was just like sitting in my job and kind of thinking about it and not really acting, I I wouldn't have been able to to, uh, derive the clarity that I did as quickly as I did. So being proactive helps, right? Going to retreats, uh, going to um, orders and meeting with the priests or the nuns or getting into vocational um, work experiences, all of this helps. I mean, being proactive, taking that initiative yourself first makes a big difference, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We have to, like, we have to have enough confidence in God that he's guiding our lives and that he's involved mm-hmm. to, to, to step forward in faith. Vocation, you're discerning it. Like, you have to remember this, like, your vocation, what it is, is like the like the, the plan that, that God has for your life, but God's your father. Like, yeah. he's he's deeply and heavily invested in your life it's not just like you're doing this in order to like win god's approval Mm -hmm. it's not like your vocation is like this is what i need to do so that god doesn't like hate me or something (laughs) or so i like can you know validate myself to him Mm -hmm. this is this is just the your your god wants to walk with you every day of your life and this is the the structure or the way that he wants to do that and so i think we have to remember that when we're actually think yeah so to to be proactive is crucial and um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when, whenever you go to a, a retreat where they're calling people or they're checking out if people are interested in uh, in vocations, this is the line or this is what is always told to people that if you don't get into your vocation, you're not going to be happy. There's going to be this this restlessness in you. And that has kind of made people afraid. Like they're worried if they don't pick the right one, they're going to be unhappy forever. So what, what do you say about that? Yeah, that, that's kind of the, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I might be wrong. Like, I'm not a theologian, you know. So <laughs> um, certainly, like God, like I said, God has a plan for our lives. Yeah. And that plan is going to lead to our happiness. But I have found that that piece of advice in particular mm-hmm. is extraordinarily unhelpful to people. Because yeah. it basically makes their entire happiness and holiness contingent on this one decision that they make Mm -hmm. in their 20s or something you know and it's like there are like I said if like we can't screw up God's plan for our lives like Mm -hmm. he's always going to be able to work with whatever we do Mm -hmm. and to bring about a deeper a deeper gosh happiness and and peace in our lives as a result of it because like I said sin it sin is not God's plan for our life either and yet he still brings goodness out of it. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I personally have found very few people for whom that piece of advice is significantly helpful. You know, it's just this, like, they're they're afraid that if they don't do X, Y, or Z in both directions, either marriage or, or religious life, that they'll be, they'll never be happy. It just doesn't, um, it doesn't resonate with uh, 
the God that I the God that I have come to know. Um, and so, I, yeah, again, I might be wrong about that. That's a point I make uh, personally in the article. I'm, I'm willing to be to be you know someone to hold up the catechism verse or something that proves proves me wrong on that. But uh, for now, I've just I, I, either either way, even if it's it's true, the way that it's often framed is extraordinarily unhelpful. Yeah, it's very pressurizing as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think that there's an age, like I know people in their early 20s, um, because of my interest in psychiatry, I know that people in their early 20s are still not mature enough to make the right decision. But would you say that people who wait longer, like in a sense who are much older, like 30, maybe early 30s, make better decisions about their vocation? I'm sure that they make more mature ones. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm thinking right now, like how I am with my you know, I saw I'm I'm 28 and I have two kids. So like mm -hmm. I made the decision a little younger myself, mm -hmm. and certainly like there's a lot I didn't understand. You know, mm -hmm. as I was making the decisions. So do I think people are incapable uh, of making decisions? Because even in certain sense, you know, some people make the decision about their vocation when they're cool. 18. Yeah. You know, yeah. they go to seminary right away. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's wrong. You know, I don't think that that's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we always mature as we get older, yeah. um, but no, I, I would say people have the capacity to make the right decision at that age. So I guess I, um, I'm sure, I think sometimes if God's calling, here, let's put it this way. If God's calling you to wait until your early thirties to make that decision, then awesome. Okay. Um, like that's a good, you know, that's, that's a personal thing probably, but if God's asking you to make the decision at 18, I think that's one of the, the points that I make in the, the article is. It's your job to make the decision when God is calling you to make the decision. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. we're not being called yeah. to answer a question that God is not asking yet. And so mm -hmm. if he's not asking that question for you to make that decision until you're 30, then awesome. Mm -hmm. But he, he also might be doing it for 18. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of, yeah, probably personal. <laughs> You also mentioned about uh, suffering. Now, I didn't get this. I mean, uh, I know you explained it in a lot of detail. But what is what is it about suffering that is a mistake when when you're discerning your vocation? Well, so I, what I what I thought was the mistake that I saw people making was the idea that if they started suffering, it was a sign that they weren't on the right path. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that was that was what I was trying to reflect. I, I probably didn't explain it well, but it's I, I talked to a couple people where it's like. I thought this was God's plan, but then I jumped into this job and it's been really hard and I've been suffering a lot. And so I don't, I guess it just wasn't his will for me. Oh, and, and that's just not really how it works, right? Yeah, like yeah. suffering can coexist with, uh, with you being, you know, operating in God's plan. Yeah. So, uh, you also mentioned, um, chasing feelings around, um, is, is that something like waiting or is that something, um, that, that is what involved with their family or, or how does that work? How does that become a mistake? So I think, um, so we call, uh, like in, in Western culture in America, we, we refer to the generation that I'm a part of as millennials. Yeah. Because um, we, you know, so you've heard that term. Okay, good. So uh, what millennials, I think, can do at times mm -hmm. is, li again, listen to their feelings over facts. And mm -hmm. so I would talk to people who would just be up and down with like what they were thinking in terms of their vocation. Like it would just, they would just kind of fly from one extreme to the other. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of value in just developing a little bit of constancy mm -hmm. in our hearts to like allow our emotions to not dictate um, all of our decision making or all of our life.
if they're feeling something, if they're emotionally um, afraid or they're scared or they're doubtful, um, what do they do with these emotions then? Yeah, I mean, if you're studying psychology, you'd probably be the, the best one to speak to that. I, I think what I've always felt is uh, like understanding the root of the emotion is helpful. Like, where's mm -hmm. this coming from? Like, what am I actually afraid of? What am I actually anxious of? Mm -hmm. um, and then allowing God to speak into that. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if you spend a whole day, like even to this point, you know, with work or anything, I, I, I'll have days where I'm really battling feelings of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a time in the past where I just uh, immediately assumed that because my soul was disturbed, mm -hmm. that it was like a sign that I was doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And and now I just realized that sometimes in life there are like we are called to do big things that make us uh, feel scared yeah. at times or make mm -hmm. us feel yeah trepidation and and so there's a, a there's a, a a willingness to I think a lot of times a lot of our anxieties are coming from you know sometimes mm -hmm. there's things we're holding on to or attachments yeah. we have that we need to let go of and mm -hmm. so we need we can like grow from the experience of of feeling it, but I don't think that God is necessarily always calling us to just um, kind of like dwell placidly, placidly uh, in the waters. I think he, I think when you look at the experience of the saints or people in the in the Bible, they're often pushed forward into you know yeah. Jesus himself in the in, in the agony in the garden is experiencing agony. You yeah, know, it's he's, yeah. he's groaning with the with the anxiety and what's about to happen to him, and uh, but but God is still calling him to push forward. Um, and so I, I think there's a, a certain point at which, like, I don't think it's a good thing to necessarily stuff or repress emotions, mm -hmm. but I think there are ways to acknowledge uh, emotions, to, to analyze them, to be aware of them and where they're coming from. But then at a certain point to kind of disavow them, if you don't think that they're operating in the truth and to continue to just try to do your best, even when feeling strong emotions a certain way. Okay. What about, um, commitment? I know, um, a lot of our generation has this problem with commitment. Either way, whether it's um, commitment towards marriage, whether it's commitment to a job, whether it's commitment to uh, a vocation. So uh, what is the, the mistake that people are making here with not committing all the way to something? Yeah, I think um, there comes a certain point. And I don't, you know, I don't know if it's probably a little bit different for... For everybody when exactly that could be mm -hmm. but there comes a certain point when we're we know what the right decision is and we're called to just put our hand to the plow yeah. and to to not look back and um and I, I, I you know i think that's a key part to the vocational discernment is that like some people stay in that forever place of like even they're you know they're dating somebody maybe you know they're so they're they're taking intentional the step, intentional steps, like making decisions that are that are leading in a certain direction, mm -hmm. but they're just doing it in kind of a very wishy-washy way, yeah. where it's like, oh, but I don't know, and maybe I'm, you know, and just kind of uh, like at some point, it's like, do what you're gonna do, like hard charge forward, mm -hmm. and then let God like uh, continue to surrender it to God and let God do with it what He wants, but um, but yeah, be be willing to to commit at some point uh, is crucial to not forever remain in that, that kind of vague area of indecision. Mm -hmm. I know that you mentioned, um, you already mentioned your own discernment journey, uh, but can you tell us how much of time that you dedicated or you feel prayer is necessary to discernment in your own journey of, you know, discerning a vocation? So there's, there's kind of two answers for me because, um, 
Like, I, so I had my, I really began having a prayer life when I was about 18 years old. Mm-hmm. That's when I really started growing in my relationship with God. Yeah. And I didn't get married until I was 25. So in a certain sense, there was a seven-year period there that my vocational question was a question mark. Like, it wasn't clear to me, you know, or a six-year period or whatever. And so in a certain sense, I was, like, quote-unquote discerning for, like, six years. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't really actively discerning that whole time. Like, I even made intentional decisions basically from, you know, 19 to 21 to just say, like, I'm just going to table this question and keep Mm -hmm. trying to grow in my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Um, When it came down to it, I would say the decision to enter seminary took me like two months, maybe two or three months of very intentional praying about was I being called. So that's one of the things I think we need to discern in particulars. Mm -hmm. Like it's very hard to discern kind of just in this general way of like, you know, every possible options on the table and kind of what's God calling me to Mm -hmm. my, my specific discernments. Finally, the, the two big ones were, am I being called to enter seminary? And I determined that I was, um, I don't know if I was wrong, or if I was right, to be honest with you, I don't know if it was like right and it was all part of the plan mm-hmm. or if I was wrong and God just like worked with it anyway. I'm still mm-hmm. to this day. I still don't really know because it wasn't what I was called to my vocation. Mm-hmm. So that was just a couple months, intentional discernment. And then the same thing when, when I was I was dating my wife, who's mm-hmm. you know, the woman who's now my wife. Mm-hmm. And at some point started to discern, am I being called to marry this woman? And, and similarly, that only took a couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, to finally make that decision. Because once you boil it down to those particulars, it's much easier to uh, to see and then to determine like what specifically you're being called to. Would you suggest that people start discerning small things first? Because I've heard that discernment is like a muscle and the more you use it, the more uh, it develops within people. So would you say that um, people should start discerning for smaller things in their life before they make the big decisions? Yeah, exactly. Totally. That's a really, I think that's really well said. Yeah, the uh, make, like, learn to live your life under the lordship of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Like, learn to live your life in constant conversation yeah. with God about, and, and the more you get used to the way that God works in your life and how he reveals his will and small things to you, yeah. the bigger decisions become less complicated. What advice, do you have any advice to give to people who are right now struggling with with this? Because we've got a number of people who are, who are considering um, discernment for a while. So uh, do you have any advice, anything that could help them? Yeah, I think that's the key one is just like remember your identity. Remember that you're a beloved son, a beloved daughter of your heavenly father. Mm-hmm. And he has a plan for your life. He wants good things for your life. Don't be afraid of what he might be calling you to, mm-hmm. um, but but yeah, don't don't worry about answering a question that he's not asking yet either. Like be be like looking back on my discernment, mm-hmm. there was a lot of anguish involved there and a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. And now looking back at it all, I'm just like very grateful to be on the other side on the one hand. But <laughs> I almost wish I hadn't wasted so much time worrying. You know? Yeah, yeah. So if people want to get in touch with you. Um or call you for a seminar or a talk at their youth center or at their churches, parishes, missions? How do they get in touch with you and how do they find you? So my email address is is Tim, my first name, T-I-M, at laltocatholic.com. So L-A-L-T-O catholic.com. And that's our website, too, for my organization, www.laltocatholic.com. And so that would be a good place to learn more about what I'm doing and to get in touch with me and uh, start a conversation. I'm always open to, 
yeah, coming and speaking anywhere, but also just having conversations with people about uh, how their discernment or their, their life or ministry or whatever is going. So, Thank you so much for taking the time and doing this. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me, Pam. <laughs>